We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. So we are looking at discourse number seven of Fihi Mafihi. And uh, let's begin. <clears throat> the Atabeg's son came in. Your father is always mindful of God and his devotion is dominant, the master said. It is apparent from what he says. One day, the Atabeg said, the Greek infidels have suggested that we marry our daughter to the tar Tatar so that religion may be one um, and this latter-day religion of Islam disappear. You know who the, who the Tatars are? Uh, are the, they like... They're the Mongols. Oh, Mongols. Yeah, okay. especially as they start getting closer to the European lands. Yeah. Oh, and then I think, isn't Rumi driven out by the Mongols? Isn't that his life? Yeah, exactly. And so, so the Mongols are coming in. Mm -hmm. And so if you think of them as coming from the greater Chinese region, mm -hmm. they're getting into Afghanistan, which is where Rumi's family is. Okay. And so then they start heading west to mm -hmm. escape the Mongols. And they keep going west until they land in Iraq. And then eventually they land in Konya or Anatolia. Mm -hmm in you know, modern-day Turkey, and uh, he settles ultimately in Konya. So. Okay. okay. Um, when has religion ever been one, I said. It has always been two or three, and war has always raged among co-religionists. Co How are you going to unify religion? On the day of resurrection, we will be unified, but here in this world, that is impossible because everybody has a different desire and want. Unification is not possible here. At the resurrection, however, when all will be united, everyone will look to one thing. Everyone will hear and speak one thing. Okay, so a couple points here. One <clears throat> is that, uh, you know, so we also even hear this all the time, the goal being unity and such, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And Rumi's saying that's not going to happen. Okay. So, you know, uh, you're not going to be able to reconcile, for example, Sunni and Shia. Mm -hmm. And then you're not going to be able to reconcile within Sunni tradition, the different mm -hmm. schools, even the Salafi, uh, 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 whatever you want to call it, movement, mm -hmm. was sort of an attempt to reconcile by rejecting all the schools. Okay. Right. But it didn't succeed. Yeah. It became its own school. Mm -hmm. And so, so that's one aspect. And part of it is just that people have different outlooks. People have different temperaments. Mm -hmm. And... And part of the reason Islam is so big is that it's been able to include all the different people with all these different temperaments and outlooks mm -hmm. and such. Yeah. However, on the day of judgment, then unification is not even an issue. Mm -hmm. All eyes will be focused on one thing. Yeah. You know, and everyone will hear and see the mm -hmm. same thing. And, and so he's saying this is part of the variety of this dunya. Okay. So, and so it's an artificial means to try to marry all the families together. Okay. So. Okay. And, and an example of that is the life of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Mm -hmm. So uh, he marries Aisha. She's mm -hmm. part of Banu Taim. He himself is Banu Hashim. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he marries. He also marries Hafsa, mm -hmm. uh, who's part of Banu Adi, the the tribe of uh, of Omar. Mm -hmm. um, he he his daughters separately, marry uh, Uthman, who's mm -hmm. Banu Umayyah. And then Ali marries his daughter, and that's Banu Hashim again, mm -hmm. right? So he's, he's bringing together a lot of the big tribes of the, of the Quraysh. But shortly after Ali's murder, Banu Umayyah takes over the whole thing. Mm -hmm. and, <clears throat> and so the point is that 
the prophet did peace upon him as well as anybody could possibly do okay. but you know one particular tribe still took over yeah. okay continue okay there are many things in man. He is a rat and he is a bird. Sometimes, sometimes the bird lifts his cage up, but then the rat pulls it back down. There are thousands of other beasts in man until he progresses to the point where the rat sheds its ratness and the bird its birdness and all are unified. Because the object sought is not up or down, when the object is found, neither up nor down exists. When someone loses something, he looks for it all over, left and right, hither, thither, and yon. However, when the lost thing is found, he ceases to search for it and is still. At the resurrection, therefore, everyone will look with one eye, speak with one tongue, hear with one ear, and perceive with one sense. It is like ten men who own a garden or a shop in partnership. They speak of the same thing, worry about the same thing, and are preoccupied with the same thing. When the sought object is found on the day of resurrection, when all will be faced with God, it all will be all will be unified in the same way. Okay, so this is easier to explain by going in the reverse. So we understand the point that on the day of judgment, all focus is going to be completely clear, focused mm -hmm. on Alatella, right? Yeah. Um, now, <clears throat> what we're also then saying by extension, the whole purpose for dunya existence. Mm -hmm is preparation for the day of judgment. There is no other purpose for this. Mm -hmm. Everything else is secondary. Mm -hmm. And most everything else is irrelevant, right? All that matters, it truly is whatever preparation I've done mm -hmm. for the day of judgment, which means essentially everything is either helping me in that direction or it's yeah. distracting me from it, mm -hmm. right? And then within us, we have different uh so to speak personalities that he is making synonymous with different animals mm -hmm. so think of how a bird behaves versus how a rat behaves mm -hmm. versus how a tiger how a dog behaves and so we have these different forms in our personality that are also directing us with our own micro appetites which will often lead us away from the day of judgment okay so as a human mm -hmm. my design is to spend this dunya in preparation of the day of judgment okay but then i have all these other appetites inside of mm -hmm. me so so if we say if you have a cow inside of yourself that would be like your appetite just for food and sitting mm -hmm. around you know mm -hmm. if you have a rat inside of yourself that is sort of like saying you know you're just scrounging around and so that mm -hmm. would be like what someone who gossips is like yeah right mm -hmm. and so so the point is that you have all these voices inside of you mm -hmm. that are calling you to all different directions, but the one you want to listen to is the one that prepares you for the day of judgment. Again, as a concept, easy. In practice, much more difficult. So it is like 10 men who own a garden shop or, or, or in a partnership, they speak of the same thing, worry about the same thing, preoccupied with the same thing. That happens in circles of people who are focused together on the day of judgment. Cool but all will be forced uh, into unity that day. So we've had different lessons sort of like this, that we had a whole lesson about, you know, living according to your worth. And so he gave the example, suppose you have a, a pot that they use for cooking and you're gonna hang it on the wall. You could either use a nail to hang it on the wall or you could use like a, you know, a, a trillion dollar saber, mm -hmm. you know, a sword to, uh, to hang it on the wall. That's a waste of the sword you know for what the sword is capable of doing and what most of us as human beings that's exactly what we do with our lives 
we blow away our lives on the things that are beneath our value. So there he's talking about value here. He's talking about your focus, but the same essential point. Okay, continue. In this world, everyone is preoccupied with something. Some are preoccupied with love for women, some with possessions, some with making money, some with learning, and each one believes that his well-being and happiness depend on that. And okay. that, yeah. So we'll stop right there. So that it sums up pretty much the human experience for a whole lot of people, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone is preoccupied with something. Yeah. And the reason you're preoccupied with it is because you believe this gives you your well-being and your happiness. If it doesn't give you happiness, then it's hard for you to do it. Yeah. Okay. And these are all God's mercies. All these things. All right, continue. Um, and that also is God's mercy. When a man goes after it in search and does not find it, he turns his back on it. After pausing a while, he says, that joy and mercy must be sought. Maybe I did not look enough. Let me search again. When he seeks again, he still does not find it, but he continues until the mercy manifests itself unveiled. Only then does he realize that he was on the wrong track before. Okay. So, so what's going on here? Uh, so I'm turning to something to make me happy. So I'm trying to make more money and more money. And it gives me these micro bursts of happiness, you know, might be dopamine or whatever's taking place. Right. And the happiness goes away. So I need to do more. Mm -hmm. And then the happiness vanishes again and I need to do more. And I'm in this endless quest for happiness that I can't find. Mm -hmm. you know? And over the course of my life, I might've spent my whole life searching for happiness in the wrong direction. And then I realized toward the end, it was a big waste. And so that's essentially what we're talking about here that in Akhira, you will have a clear focus in dunya. You still have the same focus, but you're going to be distracted by other things. And most people will waste all their time on these other things, thinking that that will give them happiness but realizing it didn't even give them happiness. Okay, continue. God, however, has some servants who see clearly even before the resurrection. Ali, Ali said, if the veil were lifted, I would, be, I would not be more certain. By this he meant that if the shell were taken away and doomsday were to appear, his certitude would not increase. His perception was like a group of people who go into a dark room at night and pray, each facing a different direction. When day breaks, they all turn themselves around, all except the one man who had been facing Mecca all night long. Since the others now turn to face his direction, why should he turn around? Those servants of God face him even during the night. They have turned away from all that is other than him. From, for them, the resurrection is immediate and present. Okay, so, so this, I think, is kind of straightforward. Ali reached a point, Ali Radiallahan reached such a point as Iman where it's literally saying you can remove all the veils of dunya for me. Mm -hmm. I've reached the maximum point. You know, he probably didn't use the word maximum point, but the point yeah. is that um, he's entered this realm of certainty. And, and so another metaphor of dunya is exactly what's being said here, that you have all these people who in the middle of the night, they're all praying, they're all praying to Allah, but in all kinds of different directions. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that until the veil of darkness was lifted, that okay, this one person was was facing the right way. Yeah. Right. And 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 so there will be those people who who do that. And we saw mm -hmm. the formula in the hadith: how you increase in far, you increase in muffle. Okay. 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 Continue. 
There is an infinity of words, but they are revealed in accordance with the capacity of the seeker. There is no one thing, but the storehouses thereof are in our hands, and we distribute not the same otherwise than in determinate measure. Wisdom is like the rain. As a source, there is no end to it, but it comes down in accord with what is best, more or less according to the season. Druggists put sugar or medicine in a piece of paper, but there is more sugar than what is in the paper. The sources of, paper, of sugar and medicine are limitless, but how could they fit into a piece of paper? Okay, so here, this is a small point about the nature of reality. Mm -hmm. So one way to think about this is that uh, one of the things that's kind of confusing about Islam mm -hmm. is that there are so many doors to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. Yeah. The core is far the nuffle. Mm -hmm. But think about all the different things you could say at the end of prayer. You could say Ayatul Kursi, yeah. you could say Surah Al-Ikhlas, you could say this du'a, you could say that du'a, so forth and so on. If you were to literally say all of those things that the Prophet you know, said or, or did, you would probably spend an hour after each prayer, right? You wouldn't be able to have a life. Mm -hmm. And so, so the point is that uh, uh, you start out with essentially the small dosage. Mm -hmm as part of the process of getting closer to greater reality. Yeah. Okay. So a simple, a simple uh, philosophical point that if Allah Ta'ala gave you all of reality all at once, you wouldn't be able to handle it. Mm -hmm. And this is continuing the next few points. All right, continue. Some people taunted the prophet saying, why does the Quran come down to Muhammad word by word, not chapter by chapter? The prophet replied, what are these fools saying? If it were all revealed to me at once, would I, I would, once I would melt and cease to exist. Mm -hmm. So, so this is uh, also like the analogy of when Musa alayhi salam wanted to see Allah mm -hmm. and he's told you're not going to be able to handle it. Mm -hmm. And so here, here's a tiny, tiny microscopic ray of divine light. Now watch it hit the mountain, and the mountain crumbles, and Musa al-Islam passes out. He couldn't mm -hmm. take it. And Musa al-Islam is super Muslim, mm -hmm. right? And, and he couldn't take it. And mm -hmm. so similar is the experience of the Prophet, peace be upon him, receiving wahi. Okay. If he received the entire Quran at once, he would not be able to handle it. He would, like, cease to exist. Mm -hmm. so that's what's being stated here. Okay. And again, how does this relate to getting closer to Allah? That we get closer to Allah in small steps. You're not going to be able to do the whole thing mm -hmm. all at once. Just like the path to physical fitness or something. You know, you'll have that one person who hasn't exercised in like two years, and then they'll mm -hmm. go to the gym, exercise super hard for like an hour, and then they're dead from, not, not physically, but like they're exhausted, and then they don't exercise for another two years, mm -hmm. right? This is all about consistent work, even mm -hmm. if it is small. Okay, continue. One who is appraised, prized of a matter understands much from a, from a little. One From one thing, he understands many things. From a line, a whole book. It is like a group of people who are seated listening to a story. One of them knows the whole story, having been present when the event took place. From one illusion, he comprehends it only as much as they hear, since they are not aware of the whole situation. The one who knows it all, however, understands much more from the bit that is told. Okay, so this is, this is again a simple point about understanding. Mm -hmm. so, so whatever we've covered of this text, you know, you're getting piece by piece and mm -hmm. it's sort of like building blocks. Now, had you gone through the whole book, 
and then we revised and started going through this whole book again, mm -hmm. piece by piece, you're going to have a different understanding of everything, right? Mm -hmm. You have a deeper understanding. And so that's also part of the state, the nature of reality. Mm -hmm. So you're taking reality little by little, but mm -hmm. a person who has much more of an appreciation of reality mm -hmm. is going to understand even those small dosages much, much more. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference between the scholar and the lay person. Okay. Right? The scholar is literally just understanding things differently. Okay. Again, so what is the key point again for our purposes is that you're taking things little by little according to what you can handle. Okay. All right, uh, continue. Let us return to the druggist. When you go to the druggist's shop, there's a lot of sugar there, but he looks to see how much money you have and gives to you accordingly. In this case, your money means your aspiration and devotion. So words are revealed according to your aspiration and devotion. When you go to get sugar, the druggist looks into your sack to see how much it will hold and measures out accordingly one measure or two. If someone brings tra trains of camels and many sacks, they call for the weighing men. In a like manner, there are some men for whom oceans are not enough, while for others, a few drops suffice, and more would be injurious. And this is exactly the same thing. So we're talking mm -hmm. about basically replace the druggist with the teacher. Okay. You know, we were talking about the sheikh earlier, replace yeah. the druggist with the sheikh. Mm -hmm. and, and the sheikh or the teacher is going to assign you according to how much they uh, estimate you can handle. And so likewise, you know, with, with the undergrads, when, when I'm giving them their monthly assignments with one person, it might literally be, okay, make this dua on a regular basis mm -hmm. with another person. Okay. Pray all your nuffles for throughout the whole day, okay. right? According to what they can handle. So the yeah. teacher, you know, the sheikh is, is evaluating the student. Mm -hmm. That's essentially what we're talking about here. Okay. And, and so what is that essentially a measurement of? What is your aspiration? Okay, continue. This applies not only to the realms of meaning and learning and wisdom, but to everything, possessions, wealth, and minds. They are all limitless, but are given in proportion to the individual who could not bear more and would be driven mad. Don't you see that Majnun and Farhad and other lovers too, who took to the desert out of love for a woman, were overburdened with passion beyond their capacity? Don't you see that Pharaoh claimed divinity when he was given too much wealth and kingdom? Mm -hmm. There is no one thing, but the storehouses thereof are in our hands. Mm -hmm. God okay, so, yeah, so, so, so here's the other side of it. If you're given more than you can handle, mm -hmm. you're going to potentially lose your mind okay without realizing it okay and so we made the point earlier about the sheikh who does not have any accountability mm -hmm. uh, you know the things that so all of us you know living in so to speak middle class lower mm -hmm. upper middle class lives mm -hmm. uh, we have a lot of sensors that we listen to that we don't realize yeah when you have the wealth and power of a king mm -hmm. Uh, you have nobody censoring you. Yeah. Uh, which uh, any one of us would be shocked by what we would do with that level of power. Mm. Uh, we would do all kinds of things that would be just bizarre that, you know, right now we don't do because we are living under so many strictures that yeah. we just are used to. Mm -hmm. uh, especially if we're inside, you know, the parents' home and all those things. Mm -hmm. right? And so... 
when you go from that and then jump right in mm-hmm. to to um, all kinds of power or luxury, mm-hmm. you're going to lose your mind. Yeah. And that is the example of the story of Bani Israel. Okay. So Bani Israel was in horrible slavery. Mm-hmm. And they literally went from slavery into the land of miracles. Yeah. So what did they do? They all turned against Musa, Islam. Right? And so Majnun, he, this is the story of Layla and Majnun, mm-hmm. who, uh, who was so overtaken with his love for Layla that he lost his mind. Mm-hmm. And so this is a Farhad story as well. And Pharaoh is another example that he's the ultimate king. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so what happened with him? He had so much power that he literally started thinking that he himself is God. Yeah. The ultimate narcissism. Mm-hmm. So two sides here. Majnun is completely losing himself. Mm-hmm. Pharaoh is completely immersed in himself. And okay. these are like the two spectra of extremisms. Okay. And the key is that you, if anything, you want to lose yourself in Allah, not in something mm-hmm. in dunya. But whether or not we realize it, most of us become a type of Majnun in dunya okay. based on how much time we spend on whatever worldly things we like to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's do a little bit more. God indicates there is nothing good or evil that we do not have in limitless supply in our storehouses, but we send it in accord with capacity for that is the best way. Yes, one may be a believer and yet not know what one believes in. As a a child believes in bread without knowing what it is he believes in. Similarly, the fruits of a tree dry up and wither from thirst, yet they do not know what thirst is. Man's existence is like a banner raised in the air. Then soldiers are sent to rally round that banner from every direction known to God, from the directions of reason, understanding, anger, ire, clemency, magnanimity, fear, and hope, and endless states and limitless qualities. Anyone who looks from afar sees only the banner, but one who looks from nearby realizes what substances and intrinsic meanings are there. Okay. So, so finishing off that last paragraph, mm-hmm. you know, Allah is saying that he delivers, he has everything. Mm-hmm but he delivers it in capacity according to what you can handle. Mm-hmm. And so he gives to you according to what you can handle. Okay. But it may be that you decide to handle less. Okay. Meaning, so that's the example of the Pharaoh. Okay. That it may be that Allah is giving me what I can handle, but I still make wrong choices. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like of dunya, Allah is always giving you the perfect amount for you. Okay. So why does this person get all of this money and I don't get so much money? Or why do I get this money and this person doesn't get any money? Allah mm-hmm. Ta'ala is giving what is perfect for you in that time and place. Okay. To the point that if he gave more or less, it actually may be harmful for you. Okay. So that's the last paragraph. And then this paragraph, uh, one may be a believer yet not know what one believes in. And so this is this is sort of like, okay, the doctor says, okay, take these two Tylenol. Mm-hmm. And what are you believing in? Are you believing in the Tylenol? Maybe. Or are you trusting the doctor? Mm-hmm. Could be more of that. Or are you trusting the system that has made the doctor the doctor? Could be any of those. Mm-hmm. So we may not know what it is that, uh, that we believe in. Okay. The same thing applies to thirst. Mm-hmm. So we made the point that all of your emotions are essentially in the core, the thirst for 
uh, to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. Okay. Right. But they may manifest as anything like what he's listing here, fear, hope, thirst, you know, loneliness, all mm -hmm. those things. And so the whole essay so far, the whole discourse so far is about focus and all the things that sort of distract us from focus or all the different ways, okay. you know, um, dispersed focus might play out within us. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see how much time we have. Okay, we're good. Uh, let's finish this off. Okay. Someone came. Where have you been? He was asked. We have missed you. Why have you stayed away so long? It was necessary due to circumstance, he replied. We have been praying that these circumstances would change. Circumstances that bring about separation are unseemly. Okay. So, so random conversation. But ultimately, what are we saying here? That, you know, the goal is reconciliation and proximity. Mm -hmm. And so the opposite of that is separation. Mm -hmm. And so what is it that causes separation? We're saying, okay, they're calling it circumstance. Mm -hmm. And, and so what we ideally would have is, is proximity. Okay. And we get into that in the next paragraph in, in terms of our relationship with Allah. Yes, by God, even such circumstances are from God, but they're good in God's eyes. It is said truly that everything is good and perfect in relation to God, if not in relation to us. Impurity and purity, neglect and attention to prayer, infidelity and faith, polytheism and monotheism, all of these things are good in relation to God. But for us, fornication, stealing, infidelity, and polytheism are bad, while monotheism, ritual prayer, and charity are good. Everything is good in relation to God. A king may have in his possession gallows, prisons, robes of honor, wealth and property, retinue, celebrations and proclamations of joy, drums and standards. In relation to the king, all these things are good. Just as his king kingship is complemented by robes of honor, so also is it complemented by the gallows, executions, and prisons. All these things are complemental to his kingdom, although to the people, robes of honor and, and the gallows are scarcely the same. Okay. So same thing that if we look at these in reverse order, it's easier to mm -hmm. understand. So uh, robes of honor versus mm -hmm. gallows, meaning the noose, those are not the same to the same to a, a lay person, right? And so, so likewise, uh, ease and suffering mm -hmm. to you and I are not the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but whichever one brings me closer to Allah is mm -hmm. actually the better thing. Okay but they're both designed to bring me closer mm -hmm. to Allah. And so what we're saying is that everything in creation is designed mm -hmm. to bring me closer to Allah. Everything in creation, by virtue of the fact that it is created, mm -hmm. is sacred. Okay. Although their meaning in dunya mm -hmm. might be the opposite. Some things might be good deeds, some mm -hmm. things might be horrible deeds. But you know how, like, you know, they say, okay, without the bad, you wouldn't be able to appreciate the yeah. good. Some of that is true. Mm -hmm. and, and, but the point is that all these things should be different types of triggers to bring me closer to Allah. Okay. So we're never going to say, all right, go murder someone that's going to bring mm -hmm. you closer to Allah. Mm -hmm. If that happens, someone murders someone or we hear about a murder, mm -hmm. then hopefully that will trigger us to get closer to Allah. Okay. Therefore, and that way it was a good cause. Mm -hmm. Make sense? Yeah. And so what we're also saying is all these different things in dunya that distract us, mm -hmm. if they can become a trigger to turn us back to Allah, then they're actually good things. Okay. 
And so this whole thing gets summed up with the teachings that, all right, if you didn't commit sins, Allah Ta'ala would replace you with people who would commit sins and would do toba. Okay. Which means that Allah Ta'ala is preferring the people who are doing to uh, sins mm -hmm. because they're doing toba, but it's sort of like saying they're more hardcore in their relationship with Allah. And so the goal then, ultimately, all this is to keep trying to return back to our focus. So this whole uh, discourse was basically literally about toba. Okay. Everything that turns me away, toba literally means mm -hmm. to turn. So mm -hmm. it's to turn back yeah. my focus to Allah. Okay. So it may be that I'm watching something on Netflix mm -hmm. mindlessly, but then something reminds me of Allah, and I'm like, oh, and then I turn back to Allah, yeah. which means it was a good thing. Okay. So. Okay, inshallah, let's stop here. So next time we will be on Discourse 8, inshallah. Sounds good. Any questions? Nope. Okay, inshallah, we'll stop right here. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika, nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruka, wa natubi like. All right, inshallah, we'll see you next time. All right, time. see you next week. Salam.